This is episode 10 with John Somnes. Welcome to At The Course Podcast. My name is JJ, your host at The Course, where each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you stay at the cause and not the effect. Let's get it. John, yeah, really happy to have you here, man. Uh, thank you for making the time. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So I would like to begin by acknowledging you. Um, so you have this incredible business bulldog mindset and you really embody that type of approach. And it's really inspiring to see you with the content that you produce and the, uh, the stuff that you, that you have on there. Uh, helping people to develop their personal and professional lives is really awesome. And you're an ultra marathon runner. I, I don't think there's anything that would require more of that type of mindset than to run an ultra marathon. So uh, really interesting to hear about this. And yeah, you've built this incredible lifestyle business and you do tremendous work in helping people develop their, um, their personal and professional lives. So yeah, really cool to have you here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I'm uh, glad to be here. It's been uh, quite a exciting journey getting, getting to where I am with Bulldog Mindset, but it's been fun. Absolutely. Really cool. Um, hey, so for people that might not be familiar, perhaps you give us a bit of an intro and tell us about what the company does and, and how you started. Sure. Yeah. So I'm John Sanmez. Uh, like, uh, like I was saying, I've run Bulldog Mindset and Bulldog Mindset is basically the opposite of the victim mindset, right? So the whole idea behind Bulldog Mindset is to teach men how to be men today. You know, some people say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You don't need to learn how to be a man, but that's not true. You really do. You know, society today uh, teaches all kinds of things to men, but it doesn't teach them masculinity. It doesn't teach them the things that they need to know to be successful in life. And so that's what I try to do with Bulldog Mindset. And it starts with getting rid of the victim mindset because the victim mindset is something that has creeped into society that so many men have today, blaming other people, blaming society, blaming all kinds of things for the situation that they are in their life instead of taking full responsibility. So Bulldog Mindset is all about taking full responsibility. And so I teach guys all the things that they need as a man, everything from fitness to get in shape, uh, building the discipline to master your body and your mind, uh, the finance side of how to build a business, how to invest. I'm a big real estate investor myself. I teach that. And then the dating side, how to go and approach women and meet women and then long-term relationships, how to sustain them, understanding masculinity and femininity, and kind of try to bring that all into one complete man that I'm trying to build with, with the bulldog mindset. Yeah, I love that. And you're absolutely right, because there is that sense of victim victim mentality that people sometimes get into. And it's easy to do that, right? Because you can't help but think back to times in your life that everybody's had when it's like, oh, this thing happened. And because of that, that's the way I am now. And I'm going to identify with that and sort of take that with me uh, for my whole life or something. And to help people release themselves from that and to adopt, yeah, as you say, a bulldog mindset, one that you're taking ownership is is really empowering and it's just uh yeah yeah the, the, those three areas dating money get, getting the kind of body the physique that you want um yeah uh it, it makes sense that that would be the the demand that you try and build the kind of the person you try and uh, lead into that space um so like where did that begin like what happened to sort of make you build that company in in the initial phases yeah. So it's really a reflection of my own journey. One thing that I've always kind of done in life is teach what I know or what I'm going through and what I've learned 
right in life. And so I started off as a software developer. I was pretty nerdy, shy, introverted guy, very lazy, you know, a lot of the attributes, a victim, I had the victim mindset, right? All the attributes that I try to counter with bulldog mindset. And, you know, I was afraid I was scared to talk to girls. I was, you know, just completely the opposite of what I wanted to be in life. And, you know, I got down the path of personal development. I started one company called Simple Programmer. I still have that company and I was teaching software developers, uh, you know, life skills, like soft skills as I started to learn those things. But what ended up happening was I started to realize that a lot of the guys that I was teaching, the life skills, it was great for marketing, communication, building a brand and things like that. But what was really missing was this element of masculinity because I'd have all these guys emailing me about girl problems, all these long five page letters about some girl that broke this guy's heart. And, you know, and as I was figuring out some of these things in life myself, and I sort of went through this journey as well, kind of around the same time is I started to really like look at my fears, like facing my fears, stepping up. What does it mean to be a man and having my own kind of personal transformation? I went through, you know, several different kinds of transformations in my life, but this was one of the more pivotal ones when I really started to understand what it meant to be a man and what masculinity is and how it's important in my life. And so as I was learning those things, I realized that the greatest need that I could see was not really teaching software developer soft skills, although it's it has importance was teaching men, young men who had this victim mindset, who were blaming women, blaming society, blaming everyone but themselves on their circumstances to teach them how to abandon that and start to take responsibility. Uh, a lot of stoic philosophy was involved in my thinking at the time that led me down that path as well. And so that's what really caused me to create Bulldog Mindset. As I said, I want to do something that, you know, because I know if I can transform that I can help other men to transform as well. And I, I was thinking, you know, what are the things, because I made a lot of mistakes in my life, right? It took me a long time to get to where, uh, where, where I am. I could have been there sooner if I had the shortcuts, if I had the mentors, if I had the instructions. So my whole idea was, let me help these younger guys, especially, and teach them the things that if I would have known when I was their age, I would have been way further ahead and I wouldn't have made the kind of mistakes, you know, especially relationship mistakes, you know, those, those type of things that, that really can impact your life drastically for the rest of your life. So, yeah, I really resonate with that. You know, um, it's interesting to hear you talk about it and how you went through those things. Initially you were, how can I develop this? And then, you know, you, you were trying to move away from the victim mentality and that's, and that's how you counted it with the, with the bulldog mindset. Uh, absolutely. So Kenny, yeah, a little kind of snapshot from my early twenties. So I was like with the same girl for about five to six years and probably it would have been fine for the first two years. But then after that, mm -hmm. definitely I'd outgrown that relationship and I should have moved on, but I was so unable to imagine or see a life without her that I ended up staying in this toxic relationship for a long, long time. And then only, yeah, when I was around 25, 26, eventually, um, was able to sort of break free from that. So yeah, definitely hear what you're saying with like younger guys, if they're in a relationship they shouldn't be in, or if they're unable to meet a girl that they really like, yeah, giving them the sort of the tools and the principles to sort of help them avoid those mistakes that, as you say, can have long-term impacts on your life. Uh, yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the, um, the IG content. It's so like to the point and um, uh, makes you kind of realize, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely the way I should approach this or, or that in your sort of personal life and in, your, in, your, in the, the dating area. For sure.
So, uh, so like when it comes to the Stoic philosophy, and you mentioned that you began to apply those principles to to your life. Mm. Um, well, what is that all about? Like, like what is Stoicism, and how, how do you apply that day to day? Well, Stoicism is very much similar to Buddhism, kind of an Eastern philosophy. It is about really the core of it. The way I look at it is it's about acceptance. It's about accepting what is, right? You know, essentially when something happens in life, you have three choices in dealing with situation in life is you can, you can leave the situation, you can change the situation, or you can accept it but you can't bitch and whine about it. That's not an option because that doesn't do anything. It just wastes your emotional energy and frustrates you. And, and stoicism is really about building up your inner fortress, becoming stronger and being able to accept whatever happens in life, whatever, you know, most people are tied to the, the waves of, of fortune and fate. And so if good things happen to them, they're happy. If bad things happen to them, they're sad, right? So they're their own, tranquility as the Stokes call it is tied to external things. And if your life and your peace and tranquility is tied to external things, you'll never truly be happy or fulfilled in life because it could always be lost. Right. And so stoicism really aims to separate those two things to say that your tranquility, your happiness, your sense of well-being in life is not determined by any external factor. It is only internal as much as possible. And that involves you accepting whatever happens, accepting if bad things happen, if good things happen in your life and not having expectations. So it's a lot about letting go of the expectation, you know, putting yourself through difficulties on purpose to toughen yourself up and to prepare yourself for the pain that life is going to bring upon you and to have the mental fortitude to reinterpret things. You get to choose how you interpret things. There's a really good book by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was in a Nazi uh, concentration camp, watched his whole family die and all these things and had unspeakable things done to him. And he wrote this book after that. And he talks about this idea, the same as the Stoic idea, this idea that it's up to you to interpret the things that happen in your life. They, they don't have meaning themselves. You make the meaning. You have that choice and no one can take that away from you. So the Stoic philosophy is all about this. It's, it's really, again, the opposite of the victim mindset. It's empowering yourself. It's taking responsibility. It's saying it doesn't matter what other people do. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what cards are dealt to me. It's up to me to choose how to play them. And it's up to me to make the best of them. And that's, that's what I can do. And that's what I, I will do. And that is good enough. Mm, amazing. Yeah. I've, I've, cause I've, that, that makes so much sense that, that it would be applied so well to the bulldog mindset. I've, I've heard stoicism before, uh, maybe like a lot of people heard about it, sort of maybe read a couple of quotes here and there, but then kind of forgot about it. <laughs> this sounds really yeah. applicable to, to having that bulldog mindset. So yeah, really, really interesting. Um, there's another thing that's on your on your about page. It's about the um, the room you quote. Let me grab this. Uh, it, it was a really nice quote that you pulled out. It's um, keep breaking your heart until it opens, and that is the quest you mentioned for the bulldog mindset. So, is that a part of the approach? And like, how, how does that work? Yeah. So, one one of the things I've developed sort of a philosophy about emotional 
uh, maturation or stages of emotional development is this idea that you have essentially three stages. The first stage is what I call the wearing your heart on your sleeve. It is the stage in which you tell everyone about how you're feeling. You're, you're oversharing. You're sad. You let people know. You're looking for empathy. You're looking for sympathy and some pity. That is where a lot of people start. A lot of guys start that, that way. The second phase is zombie mode. This is where you become emotionally numb, where you choose to, you realize that if you don't feel things, if you don't allow yourself to feel things, then you can't feel pain. No one can hurt you. A lot of guys get stuck in this stage. They, they figure this out because they have a heartbreak from stage one because some girl breaks are hard or someone, you know, people make fun of them, whatever. And so they become emotionally numb. And so the problem with that is, though, is that if you can't feel pain, you can't feel love either, right? Your world becomes black and white. You pull all the color out of it. And those people get stuck in there. And then there's the phase three, stage three, which is what I call feel the pain and keep on walking. This is where you're open again. Before you're closed, now you're open. But at the same time, you don't allow your emotion to determine your action. You're able to feel fully and walk through that, but keep on moving forward regardless of it. So you're not shutting down. You are open. You are vulnerable to a degree, but you're able to keep on moving forward because you're allowing your analytical mind and your drive and, and your will to make your choices for what actions you're going to take instead of basing it like a level one man might do completely on emotion. A, a level one man is going to react emotionally. He's going to do things based on those emotions. Someone who's level three is essentially like that quote, you know, keep on breaking your heart until it opens. At that point, you're, you're open, you're allowing things and you're allowing people to get to you to feel, but it's not, it's not defining who you are and it's not determining you know, the actions that you take. Absolutely. Yeah. Last, yeah. A really nice way of putting it. And I think that's a great, that's a great quote to be reminded of. Um, uh, one of the ways that I started to internalize that type of concept was the feeling's still there, but it's okay. because I'm going to take the action anyway, because right. that's the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's really cool. Um, when it comes to the uh, the ultra marathons, so mm. how did you get started doing that, and why did you begin doing those? Yeah, so mostly because I hate running. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some people say you should do something that you fear every day. I, one of my things was to say you should do something you hate every day. So I started running mostly because I wanted to just kind of stay in shape, do some do some running. So I was running like five k, you know, three point one miles three times a week. And I never got better at it. I never liked it any better. I just hated it. It was just not fun. It was only three times a week, but you know, just didn't enjoy it at all, but never got faster never got easier. And for like maybe four or five years. And then one day I was running and I was actually recording a podcast. And I was like, if I could record this podcast while I'm running, surely I can run more than three miles. Like, you know, I just have this limitation in my head. So that day I ran seven miles. And then, you know, from there, I started running longer distances. I stopped just doing my three miles. You know, I didn't wait for it to get easier. I just said, well, I'm just going to make myself run, you know, 13 miles. So I ran 13 miles, uh, you know, a half marathon. And then I got to this point where I was actually pushed through the pain so much that even though I hated running, I actually started to like it. 
you know, in a weird way. So, you know, I got, I, I remember I, I moved to San Diego and I was at the park and I saw these people with, with the, these tents and stuff. And there was this, the San Diego half marathon. So it was the next day. So I just signed up <laughs> for it. And, uh, you know, I signed up for my first half marathon and then I ran that half marathon and, you know, there was just such a good feeling of, of, you know, pushing yourself and, and that drive that I, I was looking for, and, you know, even something I didn't really like doing. And so I just got to the point where, you know, I started training for another half marathon. Pretty soon I was doing some 15, 16 mile runs. And I was like, well, if I could do 16, I think, you know, even though it seemed crazy at the time, 26.2 miles, it might be possible to do. So I ended up training for a full marathon, ran one full marathon, decided that that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I'm never going to do it again. And then, you know, I ended up doing five more of them. And then, and then the next challenge was, could I run a hundred miles or, you know, a 50 mile race? So last year I was either going to quit running completely, or I was going to go for a hundred miles. And I ended up doing the train for the hundred mile. Now with with COVID and everything, what happened was all the races got canceled. So I ended up running a 50 mile race that got canceled, but I just ran it solo myself, uh, which was quite an experience running 50 miles solo. And then I was still training for the hundred. I never ended up making it to the hundred. I ended up actually getting sick with COVID before I was able to, to do that. I was actually training up in Flagstaff at altitude because I was going to run to the Grand Canyon with my original race. But when I came back to San Diego, I got sick and then I wasn't able to, to complete that. So I've kind of dropped off the running, taking a break from it for a while. But for the past, I don't know, four or five years, I've been basically running mostly marathons and then last year doing the ultra training. How long does one of those take this might be something that people listening might might know i'm just curious but how long like like let's, let's say a 50 mile race how long would that take for you to, to complete yeah it took me about eight and a half hours to complete wow. that's about a little bit over a nine minute mile pace the whole whole way so and then the other you know and then i'm i'm 240 pounds so i think at the time i was probably like 230 235 so that adds a little bit <laughs> to it, I, I think I burned something like it was over ten thousand calories in that time period. It might have been fourteen thousand calories. Wow! Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, that's a long time to be running. Do you take like breaks in between? How does that go? Like, do you try and make yourself continue running for the entire duration, or just run the whole time? Wow, eight and a yeah. half hours of constant running. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really really amazing. Um, that's crazy. I mean, it's not it's not anything that I ever thought I would ever possibly do. I used to have a podcast called Get Up and Code when I was doing the programming, and it was a fitness podcast for programmers. And multiple times in the podcast, I would have people on the podcast that had ran marathons, and I was running 5K, you know, three miles, and that was hard. It was hard for me to do. And I thought there is no way in hell that I could ever run 26.2 miles nonstop. That's insane, right? You know, four hours, five hours running insane. There's no way that's not even possible. Like no one, my size could do that. Like it's, I don't have the genetics for it or whatever. And so I never envisioned that I'd even run a marathon or a half marathon even seemed insane you know, because three miles seemed like a lot to me. That was a hard run. And yeah. And then here I ended up doing twice that distance two marathons back to back basically. So it's, it's crazy what you can do, you know, your brain, your mind, 
puts the limitations on you, but the you're you're capable of so much more. We're all capable of so much more than what we could possibly imagine. Yeah, absolutely. R- really, really awesome. Like very, very inspiring. Like way of, of thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, in, in one of your um, other podcasts, I've heard you mention that. Uh, so we have these moments when we feel very motivated, and mm-hmm. perhaps this also ties into the to the running. Though I suppose in the first half of the race, you might have a lot of motivation, but then as it drags on, it might get harder and harder. Um, how do you develop the ability to work or to keep on going in those moments when your motivation starts to dip? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, one of the most valuable skills that you can learn in life is the ability to to work without motivation. And the way that you develop that ability is it's just by having your your having a do or die attitude, right? Basically saying that everything is life or death, right? Making these choices and then committing to these choices. Like one of the most powerful things you can do in life is to commit, you know, burning the boats essentially to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I do a lot of coaching for, for men, especially on the business coaching side of things. And if guys come up to me and they're like, Hey, I'm going to try and make this work, this business idea. I'm like, you're already failed. You're already done. Like you might as well give up because you have to say, no, I'm going to make this work. Um, Cause if your level of commitment is not that, if you haven't fully committed to a thing, then eventually at some point down in your path, some big grizzly bear is going to show up on the path and, and maul the hell out of you. And you're going to, you're going to run away. You know, you, you're going to, because you don't expect that. Right. But if you're committed, if you're like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what's in my path, I'm going forward then you're going to, you're going to make it. You see so many people are depending on motivation. They do things because they're motivated and motivation is just like any other emotion. It comes and goes, you can't control that. Some days you feel motivated, some days you don't. And what, and really what happens is there's a cycle of, of mastery, this progression that you have. And so when you start out doing something, you know, for example, I got this guitar back here, right? You know, how many people have picked up the guitar to play guitar? And when you first start learning, it's fun. It's interesting. You're motivated. It's what you want to do. You're making progress. You're excited. But I guarantee you that within a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you'll, you'll, you'll stop making progress and you'll be tired of it and your motivation will, will fade. And most people stop at that point. But people who push through that pain, who work without the motivation, who push through what some people would call burnout, what ends up happening is once you get through this wall on the other side of it is where all the rewards are. Choosing a job and doing that job and becoming good at it. And then that creating passion with within you. So it's a really important skill to just, you know, set your mind on something and decide that you're going to do it. And, and, and the thing about it too, is that it's all about making decisions ahead of time, right? If you make judgment calls throughout your life or throughout your day, you're going to make bad judgment calls because we all we all suck at that. I have horrible willpower. You have horrible willpower. We all have horrible willpower, right? We can only push it so far. So the more decisions you make, the more bad decisions you, you will make. So instead, if you pre-make the decisions ahead of time, before you have to do the work, when you're in the right mental state, and make it a rule for yourself, then you're much more likely to stick to those things because you don't have to make those decisions throughout the day. So, you know, a good example of this is I, my, my typical diet is that I fast until five o'clock every day. So I only eat one meal a day. 
Now, if I just make that as a rule for myself, it's so much easier to, to stick to that diet than it is to, to let's say, eat healthy, right? Because that is making choices every day, all the time. Should I eat? Should I not eat? What should I eat? That's awesome. I love the the way that you can develop that ability to commit. And then you, as you say, you can pre-make decisions so you don't have to make the decisions in the moment. You've already made those prior to that moment you're coming into. Because as you say, uh, you know, after a period of time, we're not going to feel like doing the thing that we know that we need to do. And having already made that decision, you, you mentioned the eating only after 5 p.m., you know, much better way of doing it rather than relying on the motivation in the moment to go ahead and start you know, doing whatever it is that you intend to do. So yeah, really interesting. I really resonate with that a lot. Um, so when it comes to those moments, when you're, when you don't feel like doing whatever it is that you have to do, let's say you're, you know, you're working on something, but then your motivation dips. Let's say you're building a business and you have this idea, you're really motivated to do it. You get a couple of months in, but then it starts to dip. You start doing other things that are going to gratify you immediately rather than in the long term. In those moments when you start to not do the right thing, how do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough one. You have to, what, what's key behind that is, is having trust in yourself, like believing your own word, having, having building trust with yourself. If you erode that trust with yourself, you have to rebuild that trust with yourself. What I mean by this is that if you say something in your head that you're going to do something and then you don't do it, when you violate that trust, it's just like violating trust with anyone else. You you start to not believe it. And the more that you violate that trust, the less you believe that voice in your head, right? So for let me give you an example here. And I, I just do a lot of my coaching clients is, is I have them show me their iPhone and, and what are their alarms, right? And usually it's something like, you know, 6 a.m., 6.10, 6.20, 630. And I'm like, why do you have all these fucking alarms? You need to have one alarm, right? Do you not trust yourself when you when you say that you're going to wake up? But it's, that's a great example of it is, is we do this in little ways. We violate our trust. And so, you know, you maybe you set an alarm. You're like, okay, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to go run at 5.30 a.m. So you set your alarm for 5 a.m. 5 a.m. rolls around and you're like, ah, not today. And then you, right. So now you've created this pattern. And the more that you do this, the more that that little voice in your head that says your your willpower, your stronger will, uh, it, it 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 gets squelched because you're like, yeah, fuck, he doesn't mean that shit. He's not really going to do this. Uh, you know, we can ignore this, right? And so you have to rebuild that trust with yourself. You have to have that, maintain that integrity, that trust with yourself. Otherwise it's almost like you're a pinball in a pinball machine. Like your very life depends on it because you're just getting knocked around whatever lucky break happens or whatever way that life takes you, that's the direction you're going because you don't have sovereignty over your life anymore. So you have don't actually even have your life anymore. It's like losing your life. I think of it as being duct tape in the backseat of a car. That's your life that someone else is driving. And every once in a while that car pulls over and the driver gets out and says, Hey, do you want to take a drive or you want to stay in the back seat?" And those moments of clarity that you have, and there's very few of them in life, that's where you need to wake up and decide that you're going to take control of the car and you're going to build that trust and maintain that trust. Because once you lose it, you lose control. 
you lose control, you lose the, the sovereignty of your life. So what you have to do is you have to build this level of trust with yourself so that you know that whatever you think is going to happen. And really the way that I define freedom is your ability to exert your will upon the world. Right. And that begins with your ability to exert your will that comes from your mind in your in on yourself. If you can't even exert it on yourself, you can't exert it into the world. So if you can't make what you think happen, if you can't even do it, then you have zero freedom. You are a complete slave even to your own desires and your own weakness. Right. Forget about anyone else controlling you. So what you have to do is you have to start with small commitments and then follow through on them life or death and never, ever lie to yourself. So if you're in the point where you've broken trust with yourself, you have to regain trust with yourself by saying, okay, I'm going to do this, right? And you make this commitment or make this rule for yourself and you do it no matter what happens, no excuses, right? Then you make a bigger one. And then you finally get to this point where you know that if you say something in your head that you're going to do something, you'll absolutely do it life or death. And that's how you get through that. Because if you don't have that, then what you're saying is going to happen inevitably. You're going to get to the point where you get distracted. You start doing some other stuff that you didn't intend to do and you'll go down that path and there's nothing to stop you from that free fall. But if you have that iron will that says, hey, when I say something in my head, I do it, then yeah, you might get tempted to go down one of those paths or you might get slightly distracted for some time, but you're going to get pulled right back because you'll have the ability to say, no, look, here's a schedule that we're going to set for tomorrow. And we're going to do this schedule. And you'll know that you can trust that that's going to happen. If you don't have that trust, there's nothing, there's no one, nothing that can save you, nothing that, that can help you. It, it only comes from the trust in yourself. Yes. Amazing. I love that. That's a great mechanism for building that ability to follow through on the things that you say you're going to do. And it's so powerful because, yeah, as you say, you start with small things. And then if you build that level of trust for yourself, knowing that when you say you're going to do something, you are going to do it as small as those things may be initially, and you can build upon those. That's a great mechanism for building that, that ability. And yeah, as you say, like you can't have personal freedom unless you have that trust with yourself because if you can't exert your own will on your own self then how can you do it for, for the rest of the world and the people that you care about which is really uh really moving and like a compelling way to um have someone start taking those actions yeah i'm already thinking about little things that i can do to start <laughs> start yeah. uh, building that that sort of because that, there is that moment in the morning when you when you set your alarm for like half six oh man just like five minutes just 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. exactly so you kind of need that that better alarm but like i think it's a great point and it makes you think yes i need to just do the thing that i say i'm going to do as small as it is because it just kind of builds upon that and, and and gives you that bulldog mindset and starts to sort of lay layer those in yeah yeah there, awesome. there was this one one time i remember i was traveling through ireland and i was in cork ireland on the strip and I was gone all day. I mean, I went to like the Kiss the Blarney Stone, like doing all, you know, in, in travel. And I, it was a running day for me, but I literally had no time to run because I got up in the morning at like seven o'clock, you know, was driving, was, was doing all the activities I had planned and then ended up at Cork at like, I think 11 or 12 o'clock and checked into my hotel. And I went down as soon as I got into the hotel, 
I went down into the hotel basement where there was a treadmill and ran my my six miles on the treadmill at ended up being at like 1 a.m. And, you know, I was recording a YouTube video when I was doing this. And afterwards, people were like, what are you crazy? Like, it's so stupid. Like, you're not going to lose your fitness or get fat if you skip running one day. And I was like, that's not what it's about. It's about not ever letting myself break a commitment I made to myself. Because if I let myself slip a little bit mentally and say, ah, there's some excuse, you didn't have any time today, then that's the beginning of eroding that trust with myself. Because I said I was going to do it, so I'm going to do it. Now, if I had said to myself, all right, you know, tomorrow we're not going to run because you've got this trip or, or whatever, then that'd be a different thing. But I said I was going to do it, so I have to do it. And it's all about keeping that because that's such an important thing. Because I know that once you start to lose that, <clears throat> you can't trust anything that you say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that that would also carry across into your relationships with other people. If you're able to have that certainty of your own trust, your own self-integrity, and then when you're engaging with somebody else, that would come out, that that would sort of lap over into your, into whether you connect with other people. Have, have you noticed kind of things uh, clicking more when you started to apply that, that type of approach or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, those kind of people that, you know, are completely dependable and reliable and will do what they say. Those are the people that you want to be around and you become one of those people. It also prevents you from saying things that you don't mean that they don't intend to follow through on. Cause you know, if you say it, you're going to do it. So you're more careful with your words. And, and that is something that is, is really powerful as well, because so many people say things or that even, even when they say things, People are listening. When you say that you're going to do something, it might not be a commitment to them, but you're like, oh, I'm going to do this diet or I'm going to do this thing or I'm going to go. And then you don't do it. You're, you, you lose some respect in their eyes because they know, all right, this, this, they know that they can't trust you in, in the things that you say. You're not, you lose that integrity. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there is that sense of like, let, let's say it's some kind of uh, a business meeting or something like this. It might be the first time you're meeting this, this prospect or client. You always make sure you're there on time or a little bit before. And you're yeah. doing that because you want them to trust that you will show up and you will do the work, whatever it is that you're saying you're going to be doing for them. So yeah, having that same measure of you will do what you say, even in your personal life with the sort of people that you meet. Um, one of the things that is a sort of an area of uh, dating, I suppose, when it comes to uh, meeting uh, a girl or, or a guy, if you're a girl listening to this, how do you set boundaries? And, and what does that mean when you're, when you're developing your, your uh, dating life? Yeah, so setting boundaries is really about making it clear what you like and what you don't like. More, more importantly, what you don't like behaviors that you don't like being how you how you're treated that you don't like it's really important as a man to have the respect for yourself that you want other people to have for you so it's very important for you to communicate if you don't like something and that becomes the boundary and that's just setting boundaries in your life in general is to tell people I don't like this or don't do this is a more firm boundary if they start to encroach upon that. And then your solution to that problem, the, the thing that you do, if someone continues to violate that boundary, is use the most powerful weapon that you possess, which is your feet. You walk, 
You don't give attention, you don't give time. You get to choose who's in your life and who you spend time or give attention to. You don't get to make the choice for them on how they're going to treat you. It's not their, it's not your responsibility. And if someone wants to violate your boundary or treat you in a certain way, you don't even, you're not even entitled to get mad or angry or upset about that because you shouldn't have any expectations on how other people act because it's not up to you. It's their choice. What your choice is, is to say, here's my line do not treat me this way. I don't accept people in my life that treat me this way. I will not give attention. I will not spend time with, with people who treat, behave in this way towards me. That's your choice. It's their choice what they do, just like you have your choice, right? If you try to impose your will upon someone else and say, no, you have to treat me this way. You can't do this. And you try to browbeat them or argue them into submission. Now you're violating their boundary right? You have your clear boundaries. So it's all about just making that clear and then letting other, letting people choose what they're going to do. And if they want to come into your boundary and violate that boundary, then you have to exit that situation and leave and be clear about that. And that's how you have respect for yourself. Because if you don't do that, and I'm sure, you know, you're talking about your early relationship in your twenties, I'm sure that probably if you look back now, part of the reason why that relationship became toxic was because you didn't have that boundary. You didn't have that clear boundary. There was probably some point where you should have said, all right, you know, this is, I don't like this, you know, the violation happened. And then you should have been all right, walking out the door. Yeah. That, it, I don't accept people in my life that, that treat me this way, but so many guys don't, don't get this. But once you do get this, everything changes. People start to respect you. You have a higher degree of respect for yourself. And now you can start to form healthy relationships because most people don't have healthy relationships. Most people have all these boundary violations. They're not very clear about what they want, what they don't want. And they try to impose standards upon other people. And what, what I see happen a lot of times with the guys I coach is they think they're setting boundaries because they're like, they say, don't do this or else. <laughs> so they threaten. Threatening is not is is one of the weakest positions that you can be, right? I don't need to say I don't need to threaten something. As as a man, I say I don't like this. That's that's strong words. Those should be the strongest words that you need to say. If someone hears you say those words and they persist, you don't need to warn them. You don't need to say what the consequence is going to be because they should know what it's going to be. You're not going to stand here and have someone disrespect you or do things or treat you in a way that you don't like. You're just going to walk. You don't need to say it. You don't need to vocalize. You don't need to threaten it. That's all weakness. And that's all trying to force someone, compel them by violating their boundary into doing what you want and get them to submit to that. Instead, it has to be voluntary. That's how things have to be. That's Otherwise, you're just going to encroach upon other people's boundaries. So that's what it really is to set those boundaries. And once you start doing that in your life, your life becomes so much easier because other people's emotional responses and baggage is not your responsibility. They can choose to feel how they want to feel. Other, how other people act is not your responsibility. How other people treat you, it's also not your responsibility. They can treat you however they want to. Your choice and your responsibility is how you respond and what you want to do. And if you want to allow them to be in your life or you want to spend time with them or not, then once that becomes really, really clear, all of a sudden, all these relationships that are toxic they're gone. You don't have those anymore. Mm, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It makes you just want to start applying that immediately <laughs> and have no, no sort of relationship where it's unclear as to what your boundaries are. So as you say, I mean, much easier. And you definitely embody that you come across as very clear in what 
you know, in, in what you're saying, I can see there's a level of uh, certainty and, and complete trust in, in the way that you come across. And uh, yeah, the value of setting up those boundaries is, is super clear. And yeah, as you mentioned, right, when I think back to that, uh, that early relationship in my early, in, in my 20s, that was um, definitely a time when I did not set clear boundaries multiple times. And it led mm-hmm. to this very vague and difficult position. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that removing that type of threat to your own safety, not safety, but I suppose um, uh, there's a feeling of you're in your lane if you know what your lane is. And if other people know what that is too, then it kind of puts you in a position where you don't have to worry, as you say, about external um, feelings that other people have, insecurities other people may have, and gives you a a better sense of freedom in, in in your own approach. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think that thinking back and perhaps people listening, perhaps some of the reason why we end up not setting clear boundaries is because we want to filter things and, and get some kind of result. And that sounds just wrong and manipulative, but I think that sometimes people don't say how they really feel because they expect somebody to, to react badly or to react in a way that you know w- wouldn't be good in, in, in some sense. Um, how do you move away from that how, how do guys develop uh, a more non-filtered expression of their of, of what they really want yeah i think a lot of it comes from deciding again from the stoic mindset of i'm going to make my choices i'm going to live my life whatever happens i'm willing to accept whatever consequences happen as a man that's so critical is to be willing to accept whatever consequences come from being yourself, from living your life, from choosing your choices. If you're afraid of the consequences, then you're going to do things to try and mitigate those consequences, consequences, which is going to be inauthentic and not real. Sometimes guys will walk on eggshells because they're afraid of upsetting. They're afraid of the girl yelling at them getting upset at them, withholding sex, all these, these type of things. So they're afraid of those consequences. So they don't say what they, what they think. Sometimes they, they say what they think, but they're trying to manipulate the situation by getting the other person to comply instead of just stating the boundary. They're going too far. Sometimes a lot of situations I'll see where, and I've been in the situation where you don't say, I call it the humph, right? It's where you don't say anything because you want the other person, you have this expectation that the other person should know, they should know, <laughs> right? Without you saying it, they should know that they're, yeah, you're upset and this is why, right? This is, they, they should have that, you know, I can't believe they're, they're doing this. It's like, you haven't said it. You haven't said what you wanted. You haven't said what you don't like or what you do like if you don't say those things, you cannot put the expectation on someone else that they should treat you some way or behave some way or act some way. So it's recognizing all of those situations and letting those things go and realizing that, no, you have to be authentic. You have to accept whatever consequences come from those actions. And that's okay. Whatever happens, you're going to be okay. Because ultimately, I, I think a lot of situations, and it depends on the situation on why why different guys are acting this way. But what I tell guys a lot of times is that why would you want to be with someone 
who doesn't want to really be with you? Or why would you want to be with someone who doesn't care about you enough to treat you in a way that you want to be treated? Right. And, and you have to have that. It starts with that level of self-respect of saying, no, I only want to be with people who want to be with me. I only want to be people who treat me the way that I want to be treated. That's it. Otherwise I don't want, I don't want anything. And I'm not going to try and compel someone or twist their arm into, into doing that. It should be voluntary. And if it's not, then I'm avoiding, I'm removing myself from a situation. That's not a good one. It, it's, it's, you know what I mean? So it's a good thing. So when you set a boundary like that, you're, you're creating a situation where you you're going to win either way, right? Because either that boundary is going to be enforced and you're going to find out that the person does care. And now you're not going to have a problem with having them treat you in a way that you don't want to be treated, or you're going to find out they don't care, which is good because then you can walk. Then you, you know that you're not in the right place and then you're not in the kind of relationship that you thought you were, which is also good. So it, you, you, once you start to see it through that lens, I think it becomes a lot more clear. It's still hard to do, especially what I find is many men have trouble setting boundaries with their parents, with their family, right? Especially in Eastern, right? India, China, some of those places, the, the parents, like they can't tell the parents, no, the parents use guilt. Guilt is one of the most powerful ways that people violate your boundaries, right? They make you feel guilty, responsible for their emotions and so many people respond to that. When someone's guilting you, you have to set that clear boundary and say, look, are you trying to make me feel guilty right now? Is that what you're, it seems like that's what you're trying to do. Of course, you would know that I'm not going to ever respond to guilt and I don't appreciate when people do that. Bam, right? That's it. That's the boundary. If they persist, it's like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm going to end this conversation because I can't, I'm not going to, you know, stand here and, and listen to what feels like you're trying to guilt me. Right. You know, you have to have those clear boundaries. And, and again, like I said, with the parent relationship, I see that all the time where, where guys are just afraid to disappoint their father. They're afraid to disappoint their, their mother. They're not living their lives. They're not stepping out as a man. And, you know, and, and that's how you do it is you set those clear boundaries and say, no, I'm a man. I'm going to live my life. I'll accept the consequences for my actions and I'm not responsible for your emotions. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And yeah, set, setting the boundaries, saying that you're not responsible for their emotions and then you've got a clear boundary. And that's a great example as well that, that, that you mentioned of when, if you feel like somebody's trying to make you feel guilty for something and then responding in that way and say, Hey, look, I don't uh, accept this because I don't respond to guilt. So Yep, just being very clear about it. I, I love that, uh, uh, John. So I really, really respect your time, and I'm I'm so grateful for you being here. Um, so wh where can people find you online? Best place is just go to bulldogmindset.com. There'll be a little pop up that shows up there with a ten question quiz. The bulldog mindset quiz will tell you if you have the bulldog mindset. Essentially, a quiz on mental toughness, masculinity. Uh, just take that quiz, and then I will send you some emails with your results and some videos and other content you you'll be able to stay in touch with me so just bulldogmindset.com and take the bulldog mindset quiz amazing and for people that um that are going to reach out but perhaps they're looking at it from a they might want to add value in some way um perhaps you tell us what are your goals right now yeah right now i mean my biggest goal is to to really just grow the bulldog mindset membership to to get more men into into this and to start to create 
a environment where other men are helping each other and mentoring each other in, in this community, because this message right now, I believe that out there on the internet, there's, there's a lot of wrong messages to guy. There's, there's message, the general society's message to guy, which makes them a wuss essentially. And, and that's not good. But then the reactionary message to that is this message that tells men to hate women. It's not your fault. It's divorce courts. It's, it's society. It's all these things. And that's also wrong. And so, you know, my big goal is to get as many people, as many men as possible into the middle path where they, where they take full responsibility for their lives because either side of the coin there is victim mindset. It, it's taking full responsibility is the key. So that's my big goal is just to get as many men into the community and to develop that sense so that we can turn the tide and start really bringing strong men to this world again. All right, love that. And finally, our last question, we call this podcast, Add the Course, meaning to take action with intent. So somebody listening right now that wants to start taking these actions today and start moving forward to develop a better personal and professional life and apply the bulldog, bulldog mindset, apart from jumping onto the website and doing the, the quiz and starting to engage with you, what is something that somebody can do right now to begin to make this holistic change? Sure. Go take out your iPhone and delete all the alarms except for one alarm. Decide right now what time you're going to wake up every morning. You could have a different schedule on Saturday and Sunday. That's fine. But decide what it is going to be. Commit to that one thing and make it life or death. Even if you stay up too late and you only get two hours of sleep, your time is your time. John Solmes, thank you so much, man. Yep. Thank you.